This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to the Sunday, September 3rd edition of the PFF Forecast. This is officially the last Sunday edition before we have real NFL football. There's something similar to that that is on TV right now with LSU and, and FSU. It's gotten me pretty excited because you've seen a little, uh, little bit of talent out there. We obviously got some college football this weekend. Um, and uh, we also have a return, a valiant return. The prodigal son is back. It's going to be a great episode. We're going to talk week one. We're going to talk uh, setting the lines contest, a little super contest, or I should say Circa Millions. Uh, it's going to be a great show. Let's rock. You're back, baby. You are back. Um, can you tell the people? I think most people know, but um, where have you been for the last uh last few months? Yeah, so um I was studying abroad with the New York Jets over in <laughs> New Jersey, New Jersey, but like with all students who complete a study abroad first semester, they have to come back home and uh you know had to make had to make their turn back to the place where it all started here at PFF. So really enjoyed my time with New York. Had nothing but you know great things to say about them and had a great experience there. But yeah, we're back and back to talking football every single week. Did you uh did you do any ayahuasca with Rogers? Can you talk about that experience? <laughs> Yeah, I, I wish, I wish, but I'm not a, yeah, I, I didn't get too much into that. <laughs> and you didn't make it to Burning Man, which is good. Um, avoided the, the, uh, the slop over there. Um, okay. So we've got, uh, got a few days until kickoff. Here's what we're going to do. Normally we guess the lines uh, every Sunday night, the lines for week one have been up for quite some time. We actually did an episode, um, way, way, way back when, um, when they actually got released and talked about them, the lines have since uh, obviously moved quite a bit. Um, but we want to talk about uh, the week one games and kind of focus in on the ones where there's the biggest discrepancy in terms of what we're thinking, um, what we would make the line and what it is. This is also great prep for um, the set the lines contest, which if you have not uh, entered in yet, you still have time. There's plenty of time to get rolling. We did a test for week one. You can join by hitting up the and joining the printing press discord. The link is in uh, our Twitter bios, our Twitter posts, as well as in the description in this YouTube link here. So that's how you can enter. We'll talk about that. We'll show some data from it. Actually, we've already gotten a bunch of uh, initial entries for week one, and we'll see where there's some discrepancies amongst not just us, but also uh, the broader group. So it'll be a good opportunity to kind of refresh our minds and uh, talk about how we're setting some of these lines. And then of course, what the market is at. 
Um, so let's get into it. Uh, and let's start with a game that um, is one of the three most um, kind of disagreed upon games between uh, us and the printing press community and the market. And that is Tennessee and New Orleans. So um, this is Titans in New Orleans facing the new look New Orleans Saints with Derek Carr. The actual line yeah, is three. Um, we've seen uh, some all the way out to, to make this seven and a half. I know, Brad, you have, I think, did you make this five, five and a half? Um, I had six What do you think? Six, you had six. Why don't you kick us off? Yeah, so look, I think we've all discussed New Orleans and the NFC South at large. Not a great conference or division, excuse me, not a very good team, but I think Tennessee has like number one overall pick potential. I think it's a very poor roster, maybe some of the worst trenches in the entire NFL. Um, and I think the Saints have shown over the last couple of years on offense, the offensive line is a top 10 fringe unit. Uh, didn't even have their their top 15 pick from last year uh, in the fold much at all last year. And Trevor Penning and then on defense, the defensive line could be better. They lost some talent. Uh, bring in a Jets legend just like Arjun and Nathan Shepard, uh, a couple other guys into the fold. But you still have Cam Jordan. You have their first and second round pick and Brian Brissy, who looked good in the preseason, Isaiah Foskey from Notre Dame, et cetera, et cetera. I just think they're going to, as they've done a lot the last couple of years, win up front. Um, they have a ton of weapons. You have a healthy Michael Thomas, who was pretty talented, uh, pretty good last year, productive. I mean, Chris Olave is going to explode. And then you do have Jamal Williams and Kendra Miller before Alvin Kamara comes back. I, I just, if we're calling home home field advantage one and a half points, which we probably should, I think the Saints are better than a one and a half point favorite over the Tennessee Titans on a neutral field with Traylon Burks, maybe healthy, maybe not. Uh, we don't really know about DeAndre Hopkins' his fit so far in the offense, et cetera, et cetera. I just think this this spread is too short. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you, Brad. Um, I also like the Saints in this spot. Um, and I, I was thinking about the trenches a lot here just because, you know, even though Tim Kelly is the new offensive coordinator for uh for the Titans, and he's, you know, last time he was coaching or he had a you know good offensive coordinator role, he was with Houston and Deshaun. So we, I don't really know how much he's gonna be running it with Derrick Henry, like uh like someone like Todd Downing or Arthur Smith did. And that did, you know, put a little bit of a pause in how much I like the Saints, just because I mean last year, uh statistically, like the Saints weren't great at stopping the run. Um on defense, they ranked 18th in EPA per rush allowed and, and 19th in rushing success rate allowed. And like you said, they lost some talent up front. You lose on Yamada, Shy Tuttle to other NFC South teams, you know, you lose you lose Caden Ellis to free agency. And they, you know, obviously downgraded there. And I love Demario Davis and Pete Warner. Like those that's one of my favorite linebacking duos in the league. But at the end of the day, I'm not sure how well their D-line is positioned to stop the run. But on the flip side, I think the Saints defense is perfectly built to stop the pass. Um, you know, the Saints have one of the most uh, man-heavy aggressive schemes with Den Dennis Allen. And uh, as much as as well as DeAndre Hopkins is or as good as DeAndre Hopkins is against zone coverage, he was really, really bad against man coverage. I think he had below a one yards per out run against man coverage last year. Like I think Judah, you can back me up on that. So I think their pass defense is going to shut down the Titans, but I do worry a little bit about that interior of that uh, Saints defense and how much of a push they're really going to get it in the run game. I think, I think Hopkins had one catch against man coverage, like after week 10 or something like that, uh, the dude uh, cannot, cannot separate there. I just add, uh, I think this line kind of represents like if we were creating point spread ratings over the course of the season, uh, and just like plugging it in and saying like, okay, you know, the Saints are maybe a point and a half better, including home field advantage. But 
all the long-term plays for the Saints, kind of the fragility of the defense and that it's a very old unit. Uh, you know, Michael Thomas and Rashid Jaheed, uh, maybe our questions to, to be and remain healthy. None of that really applies in week one. Like we're going to get Michael Thomas playing. We know that. Whether he's playing in week eight, we don't know, but that's irrelevant for kind of pricing this one game. Uh, and, and just if we look at the Titans, this was the, the biggest uh, pass funnel defense, meaning a team that was uh, forcing teams to throw because they had the number one rush defense by basically any efficiency metric. Uh, and their secondary is an absolute disaster right now. Uh, they have no one that's, that's graded uh, above average at the position with a healthy uh, Michael Thomas, with Rashid Shahid, with, of course, Chris Olave in the fold. I just see this as a game where the Titans can uh, kind of pass at will against, uh, excuse me, where the Saints can pass at will against the Titans. Uh, and I, I just see this line as way too short. You can go find the um, PFF power ratings for both teams overall and quarterbacks on pff.com in, in our betting section. I think one of the interesting things here is how you might view Carr and Tannehill here. I think generally people would probably feel that that Carr is better than Tannehill. If you look last year, I think you can make it over the last couple of years. I think you make a case that they're kind of, they should be sort of viewed somewhat similarly. But in doing so, I think you have to consider that both of them are a kind of uh, represent, you know, they will play as well as their supporting cast, I think, allows them to. The Tennessee Titans have a very decrepit supporting cast, whereas you look at the New Orleans Saints, and I think there's a lot of reasons to be excited about the supporting cast for Derek Carr. You have a good offensive line, especially strength at both tackles. Where have you seen Derek Carr play really, really well? Because he has played really, really well in the past. It didn't happen last year, but you've seen that with solid offensive line and great receiving options. I think they have both of those. Great uh, advantage for them um, uh, at, at receiver versus those corners as well. Um, let's let's jump to um, the opening game, which is Kansas City and Detroit. The reason I want to talk about this one is actually this is probably the least uh, disagreed upon spread that is out there. I think just about everyone has this in the six to six and a half range. That is where it is at. Is it at six and a half? Um, most of the uh, the people who guessed on this one or not guessed or set this line. Uh, this is one that got. Um, set the most correctly. I need to work on how I say these things. But um, amongst the uh, the people that that entered the um, set the lines uh, contest, but there are props, and so for this one, let's kind of move our uh, our bets towards the the player prop section. It, especially because now that they're up, if you wait to bet these, you're definitely going to see them move quite a bit. I think the one that I would like to start off with is Patrick Mahomes. This is, if you are new to this podcast, you get used to to this, which is Patrick Mahomes over two and a half passing touchdowns. Um, Arjun, I think you were the pioneer of this last year uh, in week one. Tell us more. Yeah. So basically the bet is Patrick week one, Patrick Mahomes is the greatest quarterback of all time. Um, I'm going to, like, I have this graph loaded ready for this week. So I'm going to post it tomorrow on Twitter, but it it really is absurd how good he is or him and just the chiefs in general are week one. Uh, he's thrown for three touchdowns every single week, one of his career. So in the past five years, he's hit three where he's gone over two and a half. His EPA per play in week one is over 0.5. So on every play he, you know, drops back or takes off running with the ball, he's adding half a point to his team's total. His completion percentage over expected is above 10. So, you know, he's completing 10% of his passes more than expected. And yeah, the Chiefs just like, they're basically unstoppable in week one. So 
I don't see that really, you know, stopping with the Lions um, this week. And the Lions defense isn't, you know, I, I think they definitely showed some improvement towards the end of last year, but I still think, you know, they they kind of lack uh, enough depth at the secondary. And, you know, apparently Will Harris is going to be the second outside corner for them opposite of Cameron Sutton. And I'm just like, that doesn't, that's not a good sign for them. Even if Kadarius Tony might still be a little bit banged up. I think uh, it's it's just tough to plan for the Chiefs week one. And I don't think the Lions defense is, uh, is built to stop that. Like I'll, I'll bring up, I'll go back to like 2017. Also Alex Smith against the Patriots, like Bill Belichick is one of the best defensive coordinators of all time. And the Chiefs, I think went into Gillette stadium and dropped like a 40 burger on them. Right. Just, it's the Chiefs week one, but now that Andy has Pat, it's it's raised to a completely different level. The one thing that I'll add here is that the the Lions, the much uh, ballyhooed Detroit Lions, there you look at their defense here. Both linebackers really scare me. Um, neither of them have have graded well um, below sixty five PFF grades. It, neither safety really worries me. You just mentioned the the corners as well. That just does not bode well at all. I mean, Travis Kelsey, I'm a little, I'll say this, a little concerned just in terms of over the course of the year. I mean, he's getting older. I don't want him to get hurt. I would say that they should be, would be wise maybe to limit some of his snaps during the season. I don't think that's happening in week one. Um, and so, you know, you just think about that connection and how good they've been. Um, it, it seems to, to point towards over two and a half. Um, the PFF player props tool loves it. It is still plus money. You can get it. Uh, I saw it at DraftKings, I think plus 110, uh, maybe plus 105 now. Um, but mark our words, it will be minus money by the time this uh, this game rolls around. There's absolutely no doubt about it. Um, so you can go grab that. Uh, other props that we'd like here. Um, Brad, anything that you're looking at? Yeah, so my favorite prop in this game is on the other side of the football. I think it does tie into a little bit we just talked about. We think Patrick Mahomes is going to score a bunch of points. Um, and this is an Arjun tweet. This Thursday's game features the number one offense at throwing over the middle, the Detroit Lions, uh, and the second worst defense at covering passes over the middle, the Kansas City Chiefs from last year. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown over six and a half receptions is minus 135. I'd wait and see if you can get even a higher number at plus odds just because we obviously have talked a lot about we don't love betting props at minus 135 or, or in that category. I think you might have 15 catches in this game. So I would wait for a seven and a half or find an alternate or something of that nature. But not only do we at this point probably not have Chris Jones playing up the middle, Legereus Sneed is going to play, but was questionable. And that's the slot corner for the Chiefs was basically questionable until today uh, when Andy Reid talked about he's probably going to be good to go. Um, but yeah, with no Jameson Williams, yes, we love Sam Laporta. We love Jameer Gibbs, all those guys, but it's their debut. I think Amon Ross St. Brown might have 20 targets in this game. I, I like the over six and a half receptions. Yeah, I'll just add uh, one more to that similar theme. Uh, the Chiefs, very vulnerable over the middle of the field. Jamar Gibbs over 27 and a half receiving yards. Uh, I think Gibbs might be the number two or three target on this team after Amon Ross St. Brown. They're really, as we've talked about all offseason, extremely weak uh, wide receiver. And uh, the Chiefs allowed the most receptions to running backs last year at six and a half, the second most targets. Uh, they are going to include Gibbs in the game plan. 27 and a half he probably needs, you know, three or four catches uh, to get over that mark. And against a team that filters uh, targets to the middle of the field, two running backs, I, I see Gibbs as value here. I was going to ask you guys what you thought about Gibbs because we haven't seen Montgomery play at all in the um, in the preseason. The expectation is that Montgomery plays the Jamal Williams role and they 
don't want Gibbs to get, you know, too beat up in short yardage. Um, if you look at David Montgomery um, and you kind of think about him as a player, he's not the type of guy that you're going to say, hey, let's throw him 10 targets, right? But if you watch Gibbs and he played in week one of the preseason, I believe, he played in at least one of the weeks. Um, and in that uh, in that week, he played every single snap with the starters. And he played like 18 snaps. Looked really solid, running the ball, catching the ball. Um, and with no Chris Jones, like I could see a case for both um, the the over in rushing and receiving i think is combined is like 69 and a half um so rushing is like 27 and a half and and uh sorry receiving is 27 and a half and rushing is 37 and a half i just you pick a guy at 12 you trade up to get him you know you're not going to sit there and go man maybe we should like rest him week one especially at the running back position it just makes no sense to me so um i think people will be a little skeptical um to bet him early but i think if you wait um, you may just be very, very late. And this is a this is a game with such a high total, uh, 54, I believe right now. It's Maybe it goes even higher. Uh, but with no Chris Jones, I'd be really worried uh, about the Chiefs' um, defense. And I think that's the reason you're seeing it at six and a half. I think that's the reason you're probably seeing us go, yeah, I don't really want to bet Chiefs minus six and a half. If they had Chris Jones, I think you could make a strong case for this being seven. Um, and I think you might see some people interested in taking the Chiefs. Um, but, but without Chris Jones, you look at that defense, it's just not very good, uh, which, which definitely worries me. Um, okay. Before we move on, uh, and get to some more games, uh, let's talk about our good friends, dear friends at DraftKings. Um, you will notice us mentioning their lines pretty frequently and, uh, college football now in full swing. So you can go to DraftKings and DraftKings Sportsbook, use promo code PFF, and you can get $200 in bonus bets when you place just $5 on any team. Uh, college, I think, is the one that they're running this promo for, but I bet you they'll have one up by uh, by the time you get there for the NFL as well. Bet just $5 on any team to score and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Um, college football, obviously, I think you've seen this weekend, a lot of scoring is happening. Uh, so you should be pretty safe. Get those bonus bets and start rocking and rolling. Uh, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF. And new customers get $200 in bonus bets when any team that you choose scores. It is that easy. Gambling problem? Here you go. Prepare yourself. Hit that skip button. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler or visit www.100gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That is 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Uh, there are more ways to get help for gambling in Connecticut than there are people there, which is amazing. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. Thank God for that. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See dkng.co slash football for eligibility terms. Responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. I honestly, I can't believe that, that is, there is that long of a disclaimer for a freaking read. It's insane. Um, okay, I need to catch my breath. Let's go uh, to you, Judah. One of the bets, uh, one of the games that you, um, I think, differed most uh, strongly on was this Vegas and uh, and Denver game. This is being played in Denver. The great Jimmy G's going into um, into Mile High, and uh, I believe the actual line is at four. You made this uh, just minus one. Are you still? Do you feel strongly about it now? You know, kind of seeing where it's at. Um, talk to us about that game. Yeah, uh, this is the line I, I think I, I differ most, obviously, in, in this contest, but I really am struggling to, to understand it. 
Uh, I think there's a ton of projection. I've talked all offseason about this in the Broncos. Uh, and kind of to your point about Derek Carr, which is that like he's a guy who uh, is kind of a product of his circumstances, and, and the data certainly backs that up. And I've done a bunch of work this offseason kind of trying to get at exactly that point. Um, and I think there's no better example of a quarterback who is a product of his environment than Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, right, that's, that's very clear to anyone who uh, you know follows expected points added. He's a guy who's, who's top five every single year, and no one's arguing that Jimmy Garoppolo is a top five quarterback, yet he produces as such because when he was with Kyle Shanahan and in the San Francisco environment, he was really good. I think Josh McDaniels is a terrific offensive coordinator. His, his game management has been bad, right? Probably lost them, you know, three, four games last season. Uh, but he still can can put together a, a good offense, and I think their weapons are better than they were in the, in, in the past. You know, adding Jacoby Myers, having a healthy Hunter Renfro, uh, Devontae Adams should be back. By my numbers, this was the eighth-best offense in the NFL uh, last season. I, I don't see that necessarily holding up, but I do see them as being league average. Like, I don't think the difference between uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and Derek Carr is really going to add much. If anything, I think the having healthy, uh, you know, wideouts uh, matters more to, to that. The Broncos were dead last. We've talked a, a bunch on this podcast about uh, reasons for, for pessimism in that uh, Russell Wilson does not fit the style of Sean Payton. Add in this is not a healthy wide receiver room at all. Jerry Judy will very likely not be playing. Uh, I, I just see these teams as kind of equal, if anything, uh, right? Like looking at the fundamentals of these teams, they're not too dissimilar. Uh, I really just don't see how this game is past the field goal. And we're looking at teams last year that were, you know, one was top 10 in, in offensive efficiency and one was, you know, bottom two. Uh, there's so much projection being built into the spread. I, I just don't understand it. You know, uh, so this is one that I similarly um, actually think all of us were, that this was one of our top three or four disagreements. Um, and if you look across um, the entire set of, uh, of people who entered the contest, this was the most disagreed upon game by the members of the printing press. So I guess, I guess we're all riding on this one, but he, here's my thought guys. And I, I'm curious your, your take on this. There are a few games, you know, that are division games in week one. Um, and they are between teams that I would say you just can't know a ton about, right. Um, there's a lot of variance, certainly a lot of things that we just don't know about these teams and getting, I guess, a little too aggressive and thinking they should be kind of out past three, to me, just feels a little, I don't know, um, uh, thinking that you know more than you actually do. So you have Vegas and you have Denver, you have Dallas and, and the Giants. Um, another one that I think is interesting is um, is Atlanta and Carolina. All of those lines are out past three now. And I just, I don't know, man. I, I actually really like, I liked Dallas in that Giants game early on in the summer. Now that it's out past three, I really kind of have some trouble with that one. But but Vegas Denver, I think, is the most egregious of all of these because I think you could make a really strong case that that the Denver Broncos could very well have the worst quarterback in this game. Like, like that's not have you have you seen Russell Wilson play in the preseason? Do you see him play last year? What evidence do we have that he's just gonna all of a sudden show up and be amazing in this game? The, the Denver Broncos have suffered a ton of injuries at, at receiver. Um, I don't, I mean, is there Brad, like is Jerry Judy coming back from the dead here with his hamstring? Uh, I just, I'd be su- I don't, I don't yeah. see that, right? I'd be surprised if he, if he plays, he's not going to be like an every snap contributor in, in week one. I'd, I'd be surprised. Yeah. So, so I'm right there uh, as well. I think this is kind of um, uh, egregious here. 
The other thing that um, I want to bring up here, because uh, Arjun, uh, you tweeted this out, and I gave you some shit, by the way, for your uh, your data viz <laughs> on Twitter. Yeah. I wanted to apologize to you in person on the podcast because everything on Twitter comes off as being way too harsh. And I was like, hey, buddy, my eyes kind of hurt. It, to me, looked like you were tweeting out a Steelers graph. It's actually about Max Crosby and how dominant Crosby has been. I mean, he has been absolutely unstoppable as a pass rusher and as a run defender. But I think he's very much undervalued by just, I think, the broader population, right? Everyone talks about Garrett. They talk about um, Micah Parsons, talk about Nick Bosa. There's not a lot of people out there talking about Max Crosby. I want to bring, I bring this up because I'm very familiar with the guy playing right tackle for the Denver Broncos. His name is Mike McGlinchey. Mike McGlinchey had a 65.4 pass block grade last year at ranked 53rd. I don't think this is going to be a great game for him. I think Max Crosby is going to do just fine in this situation. Um, and, and, and I think that's going to be a problem for Russell Wilson because he's not super comfortable with the offense yet. So I think this is a really great opportunity. I could see that the, the Raiders winning this game. I don't think the Raiders would be very good this year. Um, but um, to me, I think that's a huge mismatch uh, in the favor of the, uh, in the favor of the, the Las Vegas Raiders. I would completely agree. I also think Chandler Jones has to have some positive regression. And then Tyree Wilson finally healthy now looked pretty good in the preseason. Like they're going to generate pressure. Uh, and w- without Judy, probably without Tim Patrick, you're looking at Corlin Sutton, um, you know, Marvin Mims probably makes some plays, but it, it's just like, I think like you said, the uncertainty in the first week of new head coach, a lot of guys missing Broncos, like should they be laying over a field goal to a division opponent? Probably not. Arjun, are you going to accept my my apology for calling out your favorites? <laughs> yeah, no, I do. And I, again, the only reason I used that specific theme was because uh, it was like a Star Wars theme that like I, I added to the graph and because Max Crosby plays in a Legion, which is, you know, people call it like the Death Star Stadium. Then I thought I thought it was a good I thought it was a good application of the theme. But, you know, maybe maybe it wasn't. Star Wars? <laughs> shouldn't star wars though like it's funny that you bring up star wars and this will be a tangent that's why everyone tunes into this podcast is my tangents um but i actually saw empire strikes back was on i forget what channel it was i turned it on and like it's amazing how old that movie looks by the way like you've got yoda lifting the whatever fighter uh skywalker spider out of the lagoon it's the most ridiculous looking thing you've ever seen and um but I would have thought that that theme should be like black and silver. It looked like it was yellow. So maybe we got to take it up with the people that are creating the themes in our. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, my humble take. Okay. Let's uh, let's move to um, a team that is near and dear to your heart, Arjun. And this is uh, a really good game. You could, I think, make a case. This might be maybe the best game when it's all said and done because of what, um, what these two teams both have both on offense and the defense. And that is Miami and uh, and Los Angeles, the Superchargers. This game is at three. Um, and this was an interesting one because um, not everyone uh, kind of had disagreements on this. You, th- This game is actually at three. You made this two. Um, and that tells me that maybe you're not as uh, as much of a um, kind of buyer of the, of the San Diego Chargers as some others are out there. 
Um, yeah, well, I'm definitely a buyer of their offense. Like I, I think their offense is going to be very good this year. And I think that we'll put up a lot of points on, uh, on the dolphins, especially without Jalen Ramsey, but I, I just can't do it with this defense. And I think, you know, this defense is, you know, they didn't really make any improvements to the defense this year. Luckily, Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa for them will be healthy, but they really have no edge depth. They went from Kyle Van Noy to Tui, Tuli Tui Pelotu, who's 20 years old. And I'm, I was operating under the assumption that Teron Armstead is going to play this game, which is, you know, I, I would say Armstead is worth uh, at least, you know, half a spread point. So he like I would have made it two and a half, maybe even three if if I knew he wasn't playing. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I think I think the Dolphins towards the end of last year figured out that they that they needed to run the ball a little bit more. And I think the Chargers run defense is going to be pretty bad this year. Um, they're two starting defense or two of their defensive tackles, Austin Johnson and their fifth round pick last year. Otito Ogbani are both still in the, you know, still not projected to play week one. And so I think the Dolphins, if they wanted to, and I, I feel like I'm coaching my bet here, but I think the Dolphins can and will run the ball on the chargers to try and get them out of those light boxes because last year, the chargers defense against the dolphins was dropping their linebackers super far in hook zones, which took away the pass, but also made it easy to run on the Chargers if they wanted to. So I don't know. I, I think just because of the kind of explosiveness of the dolphins offense that I wouldn't put this game at three, just because I think it could go both ways. And honestly, I feel like this game could be ripe for live betting as well. You can get both teams a plus money just because yeah, both offenses, I think, are going to be pretty explosive. But I, I just couldn't put it at three, given the Chargers' nature to play super close games. And um, and also, I just don't really believe in their defense that much this year. You and Brad, you both made this um, three on the number. Uh, I was on, on Arjun's side in terms of putting this one below three. Go to you first, Judah, because I feel like having consumed your content last year, that you would be someone that would look at the Dolphins, their receivers, and their ability to potentially beat the crap out of the Chargers' um, defensive backs, and that might, you know, kind of skew you in, in one direction. So maybe talk a little bit about is it the is it the Dolphins' injuries? Like, kind of where's your head at in terms of making this one a full yeah. three? Yeah, I think there are just there there's too many unknowns uh, and uncertainty here. I I still think the base of the Chargers should be higher just because of how how much better Herbert is uh, than Tua, which is why, you know, adding home field, I, I'd give it a slight edge uh, to the Chargers. Yes, I do think that's true that the uh, the Dolphins can can every bit uh, pass their way against the the Chargers. But I also think that, you know, Herbert in, in very much the same way can can strike back. Uh, to Arjun's point, this is a game that I'll be I'll be betting live trying to kind of catch that volatility. I don't think either defense will be able to to stop the opposing offense. I have I feel like this game is going to come down to whoever has the ball last uh, in, in the fourth quarter. Uh, I just see it as two teams that I don't feel like I have a particularly great read on. Uh, and I want to get some kind of early season data to the questions we've been talking about all offseason. Is Kellen Moore uh, really going to unlock Justin Herbert? Is Justin Herbert's checkdowns a, a Justin Herbert thing? Is it a scheme thing? Uh, all of these sort of questions, I want more data to sort out. Uh, and I, I would give the slight lean just because I, I do have more faith in Herbert than I do Tua, uh, but it's not enough to, to kind of trigger a bet. And it will definitely be a spot I'm attacking live, just trying to capture that volatility that Arjun was talking about. Yeah, total is 51. So I think, you know, that that kind of those half points matter a little bit less when such a high scoring game. So I'm kind of with you. Um, and, and I think playing this game and some of those different mismatches that you've talked about 
Arjun in a in different ways than just betting the spread. Pre-flop makes a ton of sense. Um, okay, we're going to get to some more here in just a second. But first, I promise there's not as long of a disclaimer on this one. Um, I don't know about you all, but uh, sometimes you're sitting there, You're maybe you're traveling a lot. Maybe you don't travel a lot, but you just struggle to get the right amount of nutrients into your body every single day. And you've got bigger stuff to worry about than like counting out how many you know pieces of lettuce that you're eating on a daily basis. So don't do that. Make it easy on yourself. Get the right nutrients that you need every single day without even thinking about it with AG1. Athletic Greens is what it's called. Um, now I think they've rebranded to AG1. Um, I find this particularly useful when I'm traveling because I don't have to worry about uh, where I'm going to eat or when I'm going to get a meal or you know whether that meal is going to be healthy or not. Um, they have travel packs, which are super convenient. So you don't have to like pour the stuff into plastic bags and then travel with it and get stuff all over the place. So it's super convenient as well. Um, and you can drink it anytime you want uh, in the morning, in the afternoon. It's really not something that will, will mess with your body at all, uh, depending on when you want to drink it. And it gets you all the nutrients that you need for the day. So you can kind of um, you know, not worry about where your next meal is coming from. Uh, AG1, you can get with uh, the PFF um, promo code. Let me find it for you right here. So I've been deep in my bag. Um, and uh, get yourself a really great deal. It costs less than $3 a day, which is pretty darn good when you consider what inflation has done to buying a salad at Sweet Green nowadays. Um, so go to drinkag1.com slash PFF. That's drinkag1.com slash PFF. Get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase when you use that promo code. Trust me, the, the travel packs are an absolute, like they're a huge lifesaver. Uh, and this will get your supplement routine all set up, ready to go. Don't have to worry about it. Get yourself rocking and rolling for the NFL season. Be in the best shape of your life with AG1. AG1, uh, drink ag1.com slash PFF. All right, let's move on. Brad, um, I want to talk a little bit about the uh, Giants and uh, and Dallas game. Um, you made this one three. I think the actual number now is at three and a half. This has moved out a little bit. Um, and I'm really interested. Are you buying the, the New York Giants here? I think a lot of people are buying the New York Giants. It seems like the market is kind of going the other way. And I'm curious why that might be. Like, do you, is there something that we are not, kind of attuned to that the market does see as to why this number has now gotten out past three in a division game where the the favorite is on the road. Yeah, I think season long, I actually am. Um, I think they are a better football team talent wise than last year. I think we've made it clear with Brian Dable fans. I think they did upgrade talent, but I still, I think in this particular matchup, I'm not surprised it's over three, not that I'm going to bet uh, the Cowboys here, uh, but Evan Neal might not play for the Giants at right tackle. They had some some you know motion throughout the, the preseason of who's playing there, and obviously the Cowboys have one of the best pass rush units in the entire NFL. And then in the secondary, outside of Adoree Jackson, it's still kind of question marks, including um, you know Deontay Banks, their first round corner. They don't really know what he is right now. When I was there, they talked about how you know it was kind of pre pads when I was there for training camp. So. Like without he's a physical press man corner. You can't really see that in, you know, seven on seven uh, in shorts. So I just think it's a bad matchup. And I'm guessing maybe that's that's part of the equation here. Uh, Dallas defense, I think, is going to put the clamps on them. They also have if there were any safety trios to match up against Darren Waller, who is going to be the Giants uh, by far their number one passing option. I think Dallas maybe among any team in the NFL ha has the guys to match up with him um, at safety. So 
that's probably why it is where it is. But I, I don't like laying over a field goal with Dallas, uh, you know, much at all here. Yeah, I, I can't. I don't know. It's it's tough because I I agree with you on that kind of season long take. Um, I definitely worry about it in in week one, though. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of on the fence. We'll see here. I, I think when we get to um, and we'll talk about this a little bit, the circa millions and, and where that line actually ends up, I think it will end up at three. Like, I think that's the line that we'll end up getting uh, for the contest when it shows up. Um, as opposed to three and a half could certainly be wrong. Um, but that's just my belief. Uh, I think if it is three and a half, I think there will be a fair number of people taking, um, the giants would be, would be my guess. Um, all right. I know we've got a teaser. We, we talked about a great teaser, by the way, um, earlier on when these lines were initially released since those numbers have gone away. Uh, but we would not be the PFF forecast if there weren't a teaser. So we had to dig one up. Um, Brad, I understand that you went in the lab and you cooked up a teaser. Yeah, I mean, I've been pounding the Browns drum pretty much the entire offseason, so this probably should come as no surprise. Sure. Uh, there are two and a half now. It's been two. It's been three, I think, at certain points. I think it's gone down to one and a half uh, when Joe Burrow got hurt. So, look, Joe Burrow's probably playing, but I, I still do like teasing the Browns with Arjun Menon's fighting Jets. They're both plus two and a half right now. So, of course, this is a Wong teaser. You tease through three, through seven. You get both teams at plus eight and a half. So, for the Jets component, I get that they are. It's a new team. It's it's figuring a lot of things out. But I, I still think early on, betting against the Von Miller-less Buffalo Bills uh, against a good team is a good bet. And, and the Jets' defense is gnarly. I don't trust the Bills' offensive line. I've made that pr- pretty clear. I don't really love their pass-catching options outside of, uh, outside of Stephon Diggs. But the bet here for me is more so the Cleveland Browns. You look at last year, uh, early down coverage stats. So you look at early down passing last year, they were fourth in success rate allowed and sixth in EPA per drop back allowed against the pass on early downs. You drop in Zedarius Smith, you drop in Ogba Karanquo, you drop in Dalvin Tomlinson against a Bengals offensive line that will not have Lyle Collins. You'll have Jonah Williams making his first start at right tackle since 2019 in Alabama or 2018 in Alabama, I think it is. I, I, I just think, again, we're talking about variance a lot during the course of this show. The Bengals might win this game, but I, I think getting over up to eight and a half for both of these spreads, early week one divisional games, uh, I just don't see how either team here, uh, the Bills or the Bengals on the road, wins by more than eight points. I guess we can't ask Arjun what he thinks about at least one side of this teaser. Um, but uh, but I'm curious. I don't know if we've talked to you, Arjun, uh, about the Browns, because when we did our divisional previews, um, you were still studying abroad. But one of the things that we talked about was, I think, kind of with all of us, we're like, man, the, the Browns are probably the best bet in this division. Um, where do you stand on them? And um, what do you think about this uh, matchup with the Bengals? Yeah, no, I I like the Browns this year. Um, I obviously a lot of it hinges on Deshaun, but I it's they're just such a deep team on on defense, and you know they have the pieces there on the defensive line, and you know Joe Burrow historically has struggled versus Cleveland. He struggled in Cleveland. Um, I think that there are a lot of factors that could play into that. Um, it, it's tricky for me because I also love the Bengals. Like I think uh burrow again he's he's missed time in the offseason but i think at this point in his career i don't know how how much 
practice he really needs. And as, as long as he's mobile and able to kind of avoid the sacks that he was, he was doing later in the season, I think the bank, the Bengals should win this game, but I, I do think it's a great teaser leg. And, you know, I, I think the Browns offense will be competent enough to at least, you know, respectively lose by what is it? Eight or less. Is that what we need? Yep. Um. Yeah. And I, yeah, Nick Chubb is, is still, in my opinion, the best running back in the game. And um, I, you know, the, the Bengals did lock up a lot of their, uh, both their linebackers Pratt and Wilson this this offseason but you know the, the rest of their defensive line is it's still pretty much the same from last year and like if you look at the Bengals rush defense it was about league average if you look at EPA or success rate and I think if you compare league average run defense versus best you know top three run offense in the league I think the Browns have the advantage there and I don't even know if we've seen the type of impact Deshaun can make with his legs in the preseason because they're probably, they're not going to run any read options or things like that and, and put him in harm's way. So I think we could see a little bit of a surprise on offense from the Browns, given that we haven't seen Deshaun's legs, but overall, I think it's a good matchup for, for the Browns to lose by less than eight. I was looking at the, the bills uh, jets game and Judah, I've got to say, I feel as though there's a same game parlay coming. Uh, around this game, especially looking at the Jets side, the offensive side of the ball, and what Arjun just mentioned with no Von Miller. But you also look at the corners. They have not been great um, from a cornerback perspective. And, and the the worry is, of course, that the offensive line for the Jets is going to be terrible. But no Von Miller, that pass rush basically went away. So uh, curious your thoughts here. Is there something that you're brewing, um, cooking up for us from a same game parlay perspective? Yeah, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what the Garrett – Wilson pricing is uh, I, I'm a little less bullish. You know, I, I do think the Bills uh, defense is vulnerable. They're not a team that plays a ton of man coverage, and I, I definitely like to attack mm. uh, those defenses more so in man than zone. Uh, they were about league average last year, 15th uh, most most man. Uh, but I will say that uh, you know this is perhaps a bit anecdotal. Even just watching the, the touchdown that Aaron Rodgers threw to Garrett Wilson, it really really looked like. Uh, Devontae Adams, where it was like he pre he saw the one-on-one coverage, predetermined where he was throwing, and Aaron Rodgers put it in a perfect spot. That, to me, and like the reason I'm fine making this anecdotal argument is we have every reason to think that Garrett Wilson's going to have a massive, massive target share. Uh, right, The Jets' receiving options are, are pretty weak. They're, they're kind of Aaron Rodgers' best friends with, uh, with Randall Cobb and, and Alan Lazard. These are not exactly guys that are earning targets at an extremely high clip. Uh, there's no reason why Rodgers won't just pepper Wilson with targets. Uh, and I don't think the market's going to fully be able to price that in. I think they're kind of, I mean, look, there's obviously we, we don't have the prices yet. Uh, I imagine they're going to kind of price in maybe a little bit of an adjustment for basically just taking his median line from last year. And I think we see a totally different offense, not even just in terms of the efficiency from Rodgers, but just this is a guy who could push for a Devontae Adams, you know, 30 to 35% target share by year's end. Garrett Wilson was the 12th highest graded receiver in the NFL last year with absolute garbage throwing him the football, <laughs> like total trash, right? You have a motivated, and I, I just, I continue to say this, and it sounds like a broken record. I, Arjun, you can blink twice if you can confirm or uh, confirm this, but um, basically the hypothesis is that Aaron Rodgers played hurt last year with a bunch of not very good players uh, that, to throw the ball to. And this year, he is healthy, he is motivated, and he's got a much, much better set of weapons, especially with Garrett Wilson um, there to throw the ball to. So I am expecting, I don't think there's going to be some like, you know, 
between where he was last year and where he's been in the past, like I really do believe that he could come back and just be, you know, a top three, top five. I think top three is tough because of, of those top three guys that are up there or four guys, but a top five quarterback once again. And um, if he is, then, I mean, he's going to dice up this defense. There's just absolutely no doubt about it. Um, I think I saw Arjun Blank mobile. I can't. <laughs> we'll have to run back with the alternative there. Um, okay, we've got one more uh, segment here to go, and we're going to talk a little Circa Millions uh, and strategy there. I'm excited to hear Arjun's take on this. We, of course, have an entry in Circa Millions. We're going to get the PFF Printing Press Discord involved as well uh, by getting their take each week at the end of the week, seeing which games they like, which sides they like the most, and incorporating that into our picks each week. Hopefully we win some money. We throw a big party for um, for the Discord. We'll talk about strategy for that in just one second before we do. Um, hopefully you are getting yourself involved in some of these contests as well, spending your money responsibly, putting it up, up front, and then playing throughout the season. Another way to be responsible for you, yourself, and your family with your money is to get yourself some term life insurance so you can protect the ones you love while you are off there making uh, millions of dollars betting on sports. Uh, that is doable now in a much, much easier way with Fabric by Gerber Life. It's all online. It takes you 10 minutes. You can go from opening up your phone, typing in the URL to getting an affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. You don't have to talk to anyone. You don't have to deal with anything. You don't have to like submit any forms or any of this baloney. Um, you just go on and go to M-E-E-T Fabric, F-A-B-R-I-C.com. Um, and you're on your way to getting yourself a fantastic, affordable life insurance policy. Again, that is M-E-E-T, fabric, F-A-B-R-I-C.com, slash forecast, it's F-R-E-C-A-S-T. The policies are issued by Western Southern Life Insurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. All right, uh, Arjun, I don't think, um, have you done one of these uh, like super contests or circa millions in the past? Have not. I only turned. I only turned uh, twenty-one like nine months ago, George. That's true. I forget about that. Um, same, actually. Uh, so the for anyone that is that is new to this contest, it is um, five picks against the spread each week. the The nuance to this is that the lines get released. Um, I think it's uh, it's like Wednesday, and so those lines obviously have to stay the same until the con, you know, through the, the week. So you do get some stale lines and occasionally that, that changes the way that you do things. Um, but by and large, it's, it's really fun. A lot of very, very sharp people enter it. Um, and so it's very, very tough to win obviously. Um, and also, uh, I mean, just tough to, to place, I think the winner gets, um, it's over a million dollars, something like that. Um, uh, top 50, uh, overall get paid. And then there's also mini contests every four weeks. So we talked a little bit about strategy for this and want to bring you into the conversation now that you're back with us, Arjun, and start thinking about this because on Friday, we'll be making our first set of picks. So as you've been preparing for this, what are some of the ways that you kind of think strategically we could put ourselves in a position to win? Let's pick winners, you know? <laughs> Thanks. <You> gotta pick. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, like, honestly, like, I, I'll be honest, like, I haven't had a lot of experience with, you know, these kind of, like, pool type tournaments um you know i i know there is some value in not always picking what we think the, the you know is going to be the most popular pick um but i think at the end of the day like from what i've heard like i, I listened to you guys talk about it I, I do agree with the premise that if you have an edge on a certain game then you should you know you should be betting that and it doesn't it shouldn't really matter i think a ton if if the rest of the market is in line with that um but yeah like i 
honestly, like, I just haven't had too much experience with that and probably going to lean on you guys more for that and try to, you know, provide more of the analysis and the strategy. So, uh, yeah, I, I can't honestly speak too much about, you know, the strategy part of things. That's actually great because that's what we need you here for. And so my question to you then is what are, what are your kind of most confident theses heading into the season? Right. And we think about teams and, um, kind of angles that you can take advantage of as you head into this year, like, are there, are there two or three either teams or sides of the ball that you feel are being mispriced, um, by the market? Um, it's a good question. I, I, okay. So I think I'm, I'm much lower on the Falcons and the Panthers, honestly, than the market. I think I'm kind of basing that on their win total, but I think, I will be fading whoever wins slash covers in that Falcons Panthers game after week one. I just like, I'm not a big believer in Desmond Ritter and it would take a lot in that game alone to, to kind of prove me otherwise that either the Falcons run game is just going to be extremely elite or, you know, Bryce Young is the next coming of Mahomes. You know, we see that week one, but yeah, I think I, I'm definitely fading those two teams pretty hard. Um, I, you know, I can't really, it's, it's ironic that they're playing each other. And I think that will tell a lot about both teams, but those are two teams I'm fading. Um, I don't know. Like I, there hasn't been a lot of teams that I like more than the market, to be honest. I think just looking through like my power rankings that I, I put together, like, I guess maybe the Browns. <laughs> I think that's just the consensus of of the pod. But yeah, I, I have the Browns as like the tenth best team in the NFL. So that that would be a team I, I think I'd look to get ahead on. But the Bengals are a tough one also because I love how their roster is constructed as well. So at least in week one, I probably can't really put that edge to use. But yeah, so Browns would be a team I'd be backing. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Judah, Brad, anything that you guys have thought about as we're closing in on uh, week one of the season here and had some time to, to think about this? Um, any last kind of parting thoughts for uh, for the group before we head into the, the first week of the season? I, uh, I'll i say that I was doing a little research into like what predicts, uh, trying to like predict Circa picks. Uh, mm. and, and like by far, right, when you build a model, uh, one of the first things you'll check out is the the variable importance, uh, which is like essentially the the features of the model that are most important in determining the model's result. And by far, by far, number one is George, as you're, as you're talking about uh, the difference between the line that's posted uh, on Thursday and then the uh, the line that actually closes by by when the picks lock around Saturday, uh, and that actually has zero signal whatsoever uh, in determining you know the correct picks. Uh, or not. So the thing I would just, uh, you know, and I, I have to, again, urge my, urge myself to do the same thing. Uh, is just like the reasoning of like this line has moved uh, and like, therefore, uh, you know, we should lean into it. Uh, taking away all the game theory side of it. It just, it doesn't that like that logic doesn't necessarily have any value unless you can kind of source exactly like why the line has moved. So something I'm going to try to, to stay away from is just like, I don't care if the line moves against me, if it moves for me, there's really no signal there. Uh, according to the research, it's, it's really just about uh, kind of those, those five picks that we think have, uh, you know, the, the, that are the most mispriced, uh, regardless of what the, the market is doing. It, I think it's really just about kind of our conviction uh, in picking those, those right spots. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting because 
I would say a lot of the times those lines move, if they move by a lot, there's some kind of injury involved, right? So they have to put a line out there. And, you know, if there's a question mark at quarterback, that could swing, you know, four, five, six points, right? And usually they'll try and split the difference, you know, like between the starter and placement. And I think that's the only time where, you know, you there is actually value one side or the other. And you almost lose, you know, if, if the line moves five or six points and crosses two key numbers, like, you're, you could be, a, you're losing to the field if you don't take that opportunity or, you know, you could make a huge swing bet against it. But to your point, a lot of these like one to two line moves probably play on people's psyche a lot more, right? Because they go, oh, well, the market knows something that I don't like, let's take, they're almost punting on actually doing analysis and just saying, yeah, well, the market kind of knows something that I don't. Um, and, uh, you know, I would say, in general, I think you're right, especially because that predicts who people are going to take. Um, it's a real advantage uh, to kind of know that that's not something that is um, uh, is in your favor. So I actually think that's a that's a great uh, a great nugget. Brad, anything that that you're thinking about? Not really. I think that was covered uh, for the most part. I did read. I was doing some research after last week. We were talking about it. Um, I think they mentioned an outsized number of bets on key number spreads or. Uh, the hook beyond a key number spread. And I think people are chasing seeing value in two and a half or three and a half, uh, you know, on favorites and dogs and whatnot. And I think it just comes back to ultimately just, again, picking the five teams that you just like the most to win the game, um, obviously to cover as well, uh, but not necessarily always chasing value or chasing, you know, hooks and things of that nature, just, just picking based on confidence. Yeah. Chasing the hook. That is a, yeah, it's a good thing. Um, I, I think those are all great notes. We will rock and roll on Friday. Um, and if you want to get involved in our entry as well, go join the discord. Uh, the link in there is also live for you to join the set the lines contest. This will be a lot of fun. We've gotten uh, close to 50 already. We just opened up today to the, to the printing press um, and some really cool data that's come through. If you join, you will get um, a personalized like scorecard for your week working on a, a way to automate that and, and send it out to you. You'll also get data back for the entire uh, group and how everyone kind of views the different lines, which I think will be really interesting. And we'll see kind of how the, the broad com broader community views each game. Um, so th those are things that you'll get uh, in addition to being uh, a part of a great group and having a chance to be crowned the best line setter that is out there. So go jump into the Discord, get yourself involved, and uh, we'll get rocking and rolling. All right, that was our first Sunday night podcast, I guess, technically of the year. We'll be back next Sunday night. We will be guessing, we'll be setting some real lines uh, for the actual season. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to do it. Fellas, it is great to have you guys all back. Um, Arjun, I'm looking forward to the um, anonymous sourcing of Jets information. Uh, we promise no, we won't give, uh, <laughs> give up your, uh, <laughs> your name to anybody. Um, have a great week, fellas, and we will see you all on Wednesday. Peace.